This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Polmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. What are we going to talk about today, Kyle? Well, we're going to be talking about taxes, and does it make sense to buy cool stuff to avoid paying taxes? <laughs> okay, so uh, it's it's coming down to the end of the year. Um, this is a time where a lot of farmers are looking at equipment or you know things that they could use on their operation. Does it make sense to buy that for a tax deduction? That's what we're getting at here. Yep, and it can. It can, yeah. So... What did we come up with, Kyle? What What's like a, a good guide for somebody? Well, I guess we can talk about, let's say you need to buy a combine this year. Maybe. Maybe you need to buy a combine. You're thinking about upgrading. It's a $100,000 combine. Does it make sense to buy that this year? Right. And in this first example, we're talking strictly about in a tax sense only. So you're buying this so you don't have to pay as many dollars in taxes, right? This, yeah. this has nothing to do with you need it or anything like that right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you want to spend $100,000 on a combine for a tax deduction and you're in a 22% tax bracket, you spent for every dollar you spent, you saved 22 cents on taxes. Yeah, some people get the or have the misconception that you spend a dollar and that eliminates a dollar of taxes. Not true no. at all. Nope. So in that sense, it probably doesn't if you're just doing it for a tax write-off. No. Now, how can it make sense for for farmers and, and ranchers? You know, we just used a combine, but this can go for fence and other things too. Yeah. So since we have the progressive tax system, meaning that depending on what you make depends on the percentage that you pay in income tax. Potentially, like if you're sitting on the edge somewhere of 22%, where maybe you could move down to 12%, depending on you know how much you need to spend, like maybe it could be worth it to um, drop down to that next tax range. Right. But also remember that not all dollars are taxed at the 22% tax rate. Yeah, that's another thing we should also talk about too, probably. Right. So just in si- really simple terms here, guys. Uh, progressive tax system. So the more you make, the more they take. So, and, and I'm making these up. I'm not looking at a tax bracket table right now, but let's say we have a 10% bracket, a 15% bracket, and a 25% tax bracket. From say zero to $10,000, we'll be taxed at the 10% rate. 10,000 to 20,000, we'll be taxed at the 15% rate. And twenty thousand to thirty thousand will be taxed at the twenty-five percent rate. So, not just because you made thirty thousand dollars doesn't mean that all your income is taxed at twenty-five percent rate. Yep, it's progressive, as Kyle said. And so, if if you need the combine, I guess needs should come before tax savings. Don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Good point, Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you know, needs. So maybe you just, you know, your corn was 12% moisture, 11% moisture this year, and you could get it out faster, you know? 
you've lost a lot of money in water weight by having corn get that dry on you. Maybe a, a different combine can help you. You know, you can make some of that money back just in the water weight from that corn getting dry on you. Yeah. Or maybe you can afford it. And if you can afford it and you want it, who's to tell you to not buy it? Absolutely. If you can afford the payment, whether it's new or used, that's, yeah, that can make sense for people. And quality of life, that should also be considered too. If you have a family, um, if you're coaching your kids or something in Little League, you know, those are things to take into consideration. You know, maybe it makes sense to get a 12 row planner instead of a six row planner because you want to help, you want to be in your son's life while he's playing baseball in the spring. Yeah. Or you want to be more efficient with your time, get done planning earlier to do something else that's going to make you more money or something along those lines. Right. And so we should distinguish here between things that improve quality of life may not always improve your cash flow, but that's still a need yeah. at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Those are two important aspects to look at. And so how does, let's, let's start to tie this back to an IBC system, Kyle, because we aren't tax gurus here, but we can understand the basics of this. Yep. We can read. <laughs> <laughs> well said. But so does it make sense to pay cash? for this combine now we've we've been using that as our example let's just stay consistent um it's probably not the best way to do it the best way would be through your capitalized ibc policy right and why is that what what advantage does that present to us we're not going to lose lost opportunity cost so if we have a hundred thousand dollars of cash value in our policy, we can collateralize that and purchase the combine while that money is still earning interest. If we had that just in a savings account, that $100,000 would be poof, gone forever. Not earning anything, not providing any protection, death benefit-wise. Yeah, and that's protection, providing death benefit protection. And what did you do uh, that's so important, it's so simple, but it's so important to point out to people did you not accumulate money in a place when you saved money in your savings account? Yeah. So couldn't that have just been accumulated instead of having $100,000 in of cash value in your policy, you could have $200,000. You could have been paying more premium this whole time. Right? Yeah. So it's, you know, you can if you get on YouTube and stuff, people will talk about having this specific IBC policy to pay your taxes and I mean, maybe that works, but you don't, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, once your policy grows and grows and you have, you know, enough cash value to cover your needs, why not pay your tax bill with your policy? If you're paying your tax bill is 20,000 a year. Well, you got to pay that. And before you knew about IBC and your tax bill was still 20,000, you would be saving up, you know, to get that $20,000 in your savings account. And then you'd pay it at the end. And then you'd be saving up that next year to get that $20,000. And then you'd pay it. Well, why not do that in a life insurance policy? We're just changing where the cash flow is going. Before it was flowing to the traditional bank. Now it's flowing to the IBC policy. Yes. It's in a very simple sense. It's just a better place to perform the banking function. Um, Sure. I know that 
the word life insurance comes in and it, it throws a curveball to everybody. But if you understand the mechanics of whole life insurance and how there's cash value associated with it, which you have complete control of, that gives you the ability to finance things with that policy and not just provide death benefit protection. We're just adding one step. So instead of just directly getting your income and putting it in the bank, you get your income, put it in the policy, then deposit that in your checking account and pay whatever you need to pay. Right. Take a policy loan, deposit it into your checking account and pay. Yep. And, and two, uh, so that sounds like, well, then we got to put things through the mail. This is going to take a week, you know, because of snail mail. Well, well, yeah. Also they offer, they'll just direct deposit it in your account too. Yeah. And you can also pay premium to the companies online. Yeah. It's, it's so simple how they're setting these things up. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, depending on the company and that, but it's usually just a couple of days to get your money. Yep. It's really fast. Um, there's another benefit too, uh, aside from, uh, that, that we haven't mentioned about the IBC policy too. And that is if you pay cash, uh, the money's gone. Okay. You lost opportunity cost. So that's what we mentioned with the IBC policy, but you also can get an interest deduction for business expenses when you use an IBC policy. Yes. And that is something that you should talk with your tax advisor about. This is not tax advice, but yes, that interest should be deductible as long as it's a business expense. Exactly. And you just have to realize that if you have cash sitting in a bank right now, it is not earning anything for you. Well, it's lose, you're losing money with your money in a savings account. You can't see that, but with inflation and whatever the Fed says about inflation only being 2%, look at how vehicles have went up in price over the last couple of years. You're losing money to inflation every year. Absolutely. It, it's lost opportunity cost that you can't even, you can't see it because it's not a physical expense that you're paying out of your checkbook. But over time, your dollars are losing purchasing power inside that policy, or excuse me, in a traditional bank. If you have that working for you in a policy, yeah, you have loan interest accrue against you, but your policy is still earning. It, it basically comes down to uh, about a wash between interest earned and interest paid in the policy. Yeah, once, once your policy is capitalized and you've broken even, and also compounding interest outgrows amortized interest. Absolutely. Um, we have a blog article. I can't think of the uh, title of it off the top of my head. Maybe we could put that in the show notes. Um, but we have a blog article. Uh, very. We show it over 10 years, the difference, and it's, it's pretty astounding. Yeah. And you can even have, uh, this is getting a little off topic, but you could have even uh, compounding interest at 4%, and amortized interest at 5% and the 4% compounding still beats it. Still beats it. <laughs> well, and also when you're when you take a policy loan with your company and you're paying them the interest, you are also part owner of that company. So, we use mutual companies. So, you're benefiting that company. I mean, they they they're making money off you and you receive that in the form of a dividend. Kyle, let me ask you a question. Do you want the company that you have your life insurance policy with to be profitable. 
I want to be as profitable as possible. Absolutely. So you don't want them to just hand money out to people at 0% interest. No. Because that would be hurting you. Exactly. That's money that they couldn't invest somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But you see that you're helping the company. They're, you're just another place that they can invest money with a policy loan. Yep. So you want them to be profitable. This doesn't directly come back to you in the form of a dividend, but indirectly, when the company is profitable, some of those dollars come back to you in the form of a dividend as well. Yeah, so to get back to today's podcast topic, does it make sense to buy something to avoid taxes for what we talked about, the combine? No, it does not make sense just to buy something to avoid taxes. Because you're spending a dollar to save 22 cents in yeah, our example. Exactly. It, it just mathematically, it, it does not make any sense. And there's always been a stigma that I've remembered whenever you talk to people at the end of the year. Oh, have you talked to your accountant to see how much money you need to spend this year? <laughs> it's common advice, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And I mean, that's how I used to think too. It's like, oh yeah, I need to buy this. So, you know, I don't pay taxes. You know, I hate paying taxes as much as the next guy, but. Okay. So what about this, Kyle? What if you could pay taxes one time though? And never have to pay taxes again on that money that you earn. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. Okay. So what if we pay taxes on the seed and not on the harvest? That sounds like a better deal. Okay. So what do I mean by that? We're we're paying taxes on a known amount of money in a known tax bracket, okay? We aren't gambling and saying, well, tax rates might be lower in the future. They might be higher in the future. We just don't know. We don't know what the government is going to do. But right now, we do know that historically, we are in a low tax bracket. Hard to believe. If you ask ask anybody at any time, you know, how much taxes are you paying? Oh, I'm paying so much in taxes. Taxes are so high. So yeah, but if you look at it from 1913 to now, we are in a low tax environment. Yeah, hard to believe or not. I mean, just look at a tax, uh, look at a graph of what tax rates are. And you'll see we are historically in that. But just to get back to the seed or the harvest, we're paying tax on a smaller amount of money at a known tax bracket instead of a larger bucket of money in the future at an unknown tax bracket. Yep. If you could do that, would you want to do that, Kyle? Absolutely. Okay, so what you're effectively doing is placing money in an asset to minimize future taxation. Sounds like the opposite of a 401k. <laughs> Wouldn't you rather be t- as tax efficient as you possibly could rather than just postpone taxes? Sure. Postpone it to an unknown future. Yeah. Okay. IBC is the system. It's u- the asset that it's used with allows this to happen. Mm-hmm. So what you could be doing instead of spending that extra money that you don't need to spend to try to save a little bit of tax, why not pay the tax, and put that into a um, tax-efficient asset. Absolutely. And then in the future, when you do need that combine, you'll have a capitalized policy, which you can use to purchase the combine or whatever piece of equipment it is that you need. And you'll have an interest deduction while you aren't giving up lost opportunity cost as well because you capitalized an IBC policy. And you won't have a banker telling you what to do. Yeah. Who likes to go to the banker and say, you know, pretty please give me some money. (laughs) Uh, you know, asking for money. Okay. Talking with the farmer, he told me, uh, 
this farmer's in his 50s. He told me the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to him was he had a bad year in farming. It was dry, didn't raise a lot. He could not pay the banker back at the end of that year. He said it was the most humiliating, embarrassing thing that he's ever had to do. That next year, he scrimped, saved. He didn't go out on the weekends because he had to make that up to the banker. When you're your own banker, if this is your IBC policy, okay, you had a year that didn't go as expected, but you just pay that back the next year. Mm -hmm. As long as you have enough cash value as collateral, this system allows you to do that. Yes, puts you in the driver's seat. You don't have to put your hat out and ask for more money, right? (laughs) I mean... Yeah. Yep. Uh, but it also that really goes down to the fact that you capitalized the system. Yeah. And we also, I mean, you're not going to become your own banker in 10 years. I know Nelson says 20 years, but it could potentially be longer than that, depending on your needs and sooner also. So, I mean, if, if you're a, you know, a large farmer, you probably have, I mean, a lot of operating expense. If you're doing it on cash already, I mean, you're ready to go. I mean, that this IBC will just... It's going to enhance it'll what just you're add, doing right you know, now. Yeah, supercharge what you're already doing. Yeah. That's, you know, that that's things that we get into with, to people with, in appointments, you know, of how you can use this based on your situation right now because it it's so hard to talk about, you know, use your policy this way or this way because everybody's situation is different. So we just try try to talk about strategies, things that we see are opportunities for people on the podcast. Sure. Yeah. So do you have anything else to say about taxes, whether it makes sense to purchase equipment to avoid them or anything on that, Kyle? No, I don't. I think we got this one covered. Okay. Uh, highly recommend you guys to grab Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. That's the That's the absolute best place to get started. And Mary Jo Ehrman wrote a book called Farming Without the Bank. That's a great book to read before becoming your own banker to really help you get in the mindset. And then um, it'll kind of help you wade through Nelson's metaphors and stuff like that. Would you say that Mary Jo writes in uh, easier to understand language? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that I read that before I read Becoming Your Own Banker. It it helped me out a lot. And that's why we also do this book review too to help you guys through it. I mean, the first time you read it, it's it can be a lot. It's a lot. And I can tell you that I have read that book 10 times, uh, probably more than that now. And I still am pulling things out of that book that you just, it's so much information coming in at one time that you can't possibly grab all of it at once. You know, I mean, yeah, if you're not aware of something in the first place, like it's pretty hard to pick that up. Right. So you read that book, you read Mary Jo's book, you talk to us, you learn some more, you go back, you reread the book, things make more and more sense to you. I know infinite banking is, is a, as Nelson says, it's a paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. People don't think this way, but when you get down to the bottom of it, it makes, it makes such logical sense that you can't believe that you're not doing it. Yeah. And it also becomes simple. When when you start out, when you hear all the noise, you see all of this for the first time, it looks extremely complicated. It looks so complicated, but you find out it is the simplest thing you can do financially. Yes. Th- there is no 
market involved. We aren't that, that we have nothing to do with placing your money in the market to earn you guys to earn you guys a return and give you back more money. We just that is not something that we're interested in. We don't believe in it. This has nothing to do with that. It's just a simple system for you guys to place your money. It's in a whole life insurance policy and they grow the money for you. It's at work for you all the time. When you need it, you have access to it. Yeah, it's like what Nelson talks about with cogeneration in his book. The paper mills were burning off their excess waste and they just sold that electricity or that energy, the electricity to the existing power company there that already had the power poles in place. They didn't go out and start a power plant. You know, they just, they tapped into what was already there. Right. I mean, you aren't going to go out and create your own bank to do this. Just tap into a system that's already there. You just can't see it. Yeah. (laughs) You just can't see it. And maybe that's the hardest part. I think it is because I really do think it's, it's just the life insurance, you know, Mm -hmm. the word life insurance. It doesn't mean a banking system to people. Yeah. But anyways, we got off on a tangent there. Just wanted to encourage you guys to, to do some reading on that. So that's all I have. See you next week. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.